Father, we thank you for today. God, we think you're so awesome. And Lord, we know that you're so alive, so real. And Lord, we just pray today in the name of Jesus that you would come and you would talk to us today. Father, we choose, God, as your sons and your daughters. God, in this moment, to let down our walls. God, we choose to take off any mask and any pretense. And, Father, we just choose to open up our hearts, God, to receive from you today. Father, we know that your anointing's here. Father, we know that your Holy Spirit's here. And we know that part of the, uh, just the, the mission of the Holy Spirit is to teach us. And so, Holy Spirit, we just respond to you today with hungry hearts. We respond to you by faith, just believing that as you speak today, God, we will hear it. And not only will we hear it, but God will respond to the truth that you put in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Well, listen, if you're taking notes today, we're going to start a new series uh, simply entitled this, The Seven Decisions, or Seven Decisions. And uh, let me just kind of give you a little background here as we start today. Uh, several years ago, I was in, encouraged by a man in our church uh, down in North Carolina to read a book by a guy named Andy Andrews. And the, and the title of that book is called The Traveler's Gift. And kind of as I was reading that book, uh, you know, as it has, happens a lot, you kind of find out the author's story and you kind of find out why they wrote the book, kind of the story behind the story. But once I found that out, I, I began to uh, kind of read between the lines and I began to uh, just kind of not just see the book as a good book, but to see it as a testimony of what God can do in our lives when we decide to live our lives according to his principles. So here's kind of what I found out about this guy named Andy that, that made me look at the book different. Uh, when he was 19 years old, uh, his father, his mother, sorry, his mother actually died of cancer. And uh, three months later, his father, who was a pastor, got killed in a car accident. So here he is at 19 years old, uh, due to no choice of his own and no nearby relatives, no, uh, you know, pretty much very little insurance. He was left homeless at 19 years old. And, uh, and so where he spent most of his nights was under a, a pier called the uh, Alabama State Pier. It's in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I've been there many times. And so when he didn't sleep under that bridge, he would actually, in the cold months, uh, he would break into the garages of rich people's houses, uh, basically this, what we call in the South, uh, snowbirds. Right. So so they would he knew that they would go north and and he knew that that these rich people in their garages, they would have deep freezers. And so he would go and lay beside the deep freezer for heat. And uh, so basically, as you can expect from a young man in that circumstance, uh, he was he was broken. He was angry. He was confused. And I think most of all, he, he, he just lost his purpose in life. And uh, basically, when things begin to change, uh, one day he was in that hole underneath that pier that he stayed at. An old man showed up, and an old man gave him uh, three biographies, three books from the public library. And uh, basically, two days later, he had all of them read. So the old man gave him a few more. He read those. Next time, he gave him some more. He read all of those. And so literally, like, I don't know, maybe in the next week and a half, the old man said, I need to give this kid a, a public library card. So he gave him a card, and, and here's what really the big turnaround began to happen is because over the next uh, you know few years, he read in between 200 to 300 biographies and autobiographies. And uh, basically it was a people that he was looking for that were happy, that were successful, that were influential people, and, and kind of in their own unique way, they changed the world. And so he actually said this. This is a quote by Andy Andrews. He said, some of these individuals amassed great fortunes, but money wasn't what inspired me about them. He said, I wanted to find people who enjoyed contentment, happiness, and success in life as parents, as friends, as business owners, or leaders. And then he went on to say this. He says, somewhere in that library, my self-pity turned to passion. He said, I was on a mission to find out how they did it. 
So here's what happened. After reading all those two to three hundred books, uh, he began to discover, begin to identify uh, uh, basically seven patterns, seven uh, common denominators, seven common threads, basically that was woven through each person's life. And uh, he ended up basically calling these patterns seven decisions. And obviously it's what we're titling this. But but what happened was, is he didn't only decide just to name them. He decided to uh, actually apply them to his life. He decided to do it kind of, if you will, as an experiment to see that if he did those seven things that he saw in all those other people's lives, he wanted to know if he could be successful too. If there was some way that his life could turn around and he could become something different than a homeless guy that was living under a bridge. Are you with me today? And, uh, you know, if you get a chance, I would encourage you to read anything by the guy. But uh, almost 40 years later from this time, uh, you can just really one, one look at the guy's life and you, you can see that, that it's worked. And not only has it worked just because he's successful. In fact, you, you know, basically he lives about 20 minutes from my parents. But uh, he lives on the island. It's called Oh No Island, which is where basically all the successful people uh, live in that area. And so, anyways, uh, you know, just from the sense, maybe even let me say it this way, of having... Uh, the opportunity to speak into presidents' lives, having the opportunity to speak into, uh, if it's Bob Hope, or I mean, just kind of go down the list of, of famous people that we would know. It's maybe this, that, that God has given this guy uh, probably more influence than most of the people in America today. And, and, but look where he began, right? So anyways, I, I think the thing that maybe stood out to me the most when I was reading Andy's book, The Traveler's Gift, what stood out to me, uh, to me the most about the seven decisions was how all those seven decisions are firmly rooted in the Bible, every one of them. And uh, in fact, I think most of us in this room would consider them basically just basic Christian principles, and, uh, which is why I want to reiterate this and why Andy's life is a testimony of what God can do in someone's life when they decide to live daily. Somebody say daily. According to his principles. And so, uh, so as we dive into this new series, really my hope is this, is that we'll, we won't just do what so many people do in church, come to church, sit, listen, and, and leave, and it goes in one ear and out the other, and then never think about it again. We do ourselves a great disservice when we do that. Amen? So, so, you know, there's this understanding that when God calls us to a church, that it's called us to come because he wants to change our life there. Amen. And the vehicle that he uses is people that stand up in the pulpit, the foolishness of the gospel. That's what he uses to change our lives. But it's up to us if we go, you know what, I'm going to grab hold of that with faith and then I'm going to apply it to my life and then watch the word work for me. Amen. Amen. That's good preaching. All right, here we go. So, so li- listen, it, it's really this. My hope is that we would take these seven decisions and that we, we'd, we would simply begin to apply them on a daily basis and watch God do what he does. And uh, may, maybe let me say this to you. Um, here we go. Great analogy. We'll, we'll pull out the hat here. So how many guys have ever went to the doctor and he said, okay, here's you, here's you some antibiotics, right? You're sick. You, uh, whatever. You got the crud, right? So we call it in the South and, 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 you're, and you're sick. And he goes, here's some antibiotics. What happens if you take that antibiotic? Well, I'll take one on Monday. I wait till Thursday to take another one. And then I'll wait till next week. Will that antibiotic work? It will not work. It's the same thing with the gospel. If you just want to apply something occasionally, it's not going to work. Okay, you got to you got to do it daily on a consistent basis. Have an open heart to God. Say, God, do what only you can do. You got to apply his word daily. And that's where fruit begins to be born in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So before we dive into this, before we talk about the first decision, uh, I want to start off by taking a few minutes to talk about what a decision really is. I know you go, Pastor, that's simple, but hold tight, okay? 
uh, just listen to this. The word decision simply means this. It means the act of making up one's mind, the act of making up one's mind. We do this every day. This morning, thank God you decided to shower. Thank God you decided to put on deodorant, right? So, so you, you know, you go to the grocery store and you decide what groceries to get. You, you at some point decided what job to take. You decided what school to go to. You decided, uh, you know, what restaurant to go to, what movie to go see, what, whatever. Every day is full of decisions, yes? And, and, but understand this, that the only time decisions really come into play is when there's more than one option. Amen? So, so when we talk about basic decisions, the act of making up one's mind, but the word decision also describes a person who has determination. It's someone who has settled in their thinking. It's a person who has reached a conclusion. I will say that again. There's determination. They're settled in their thinking, and they, they are what? They, they've reached a conclusion. Now, we all know the opposite of decision is indecision, right? Right? Okay. Which describes basically a person who is consistently hesitant. They consistently waver. They consistently vacillate between opinions. This, you know, basically when we talk about, uh, you know, uh, indecision, this person who's described as basically this, they are indecisive. So it's kind of like this. Have you ever been to a restaurant and somebody, that one person at the table, just can't figure out what they want? It's like, I don't know if you, you guys have ever been to a, uh, there's a restaurant that we have down in North Carolina. It's, it's called the Cheesecake Factory. All right. Now. It's, it literally, when you open up that menu, it is like an encyclopedia word. You, you know, some restaurants, they give you like five options, right? But, but when, you, when, you go to, when you go to Cheesecake Factory, there's like, I don't know, and I don't think I'm lying here, about 30 pages of stuff that you just have an option. And then if you go to the Cheesecake menu, you know, you're done. It blows your mind, right? So, so but there's that side of, you know, let me say this. We, we would go in North Carolina. We would go as a, as a leadership team. We, w- we would go there. And there was always one or two people that were sent to the table that were holding everything up because they were indecisive because they couldn't decide what they wanted, right? And then they order. You know what they do? They say, I should have got that. Anyway, so let me give you let me give you another simple example too to show you the difference between uh, decision and indecision. And this is pretty simple and just kind of for fun. But but let's take a person who lives a healthy, fit lifestyle. Somewhere along the way, they have made up their mind. They have decided to consistently do what it takes to exercise and through a proper eating habits to be and to look in a specific way. Wave your hand at me if you hate those people. Wave your hand at me if you just lied. <laughs> All right. Hey, if you kind of dislike those people. Now we're talking. All right, here we go. All right, so, but watch this. So, so that's the person that has made the, their mind. They've made a decision. But on the other hand, you got the rest of us. Listen, we are certainly fascinated by their results. And we are certainly jealous of their results, Right. Because for some reason, we just can't stop vacillating between a grilled chicken salad, right, and a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream (laughs) with me today. So listen, and we stand in front of the mirror, right, us people that are indecisive in these this form of life here. We stand in the mirror and we go, why can't I get the results I'm looking for? Is that true? If you know that's true, say, oh, yeah. All right. Can someone say indecision? Listen, our indecision keeps us, get this, our indecision keeps us from becoming someone different than who we currently are. 
Our indecision keeps us from becoming someone different than who we are. Let me just throw this out there. Our indecision and our lack of commitment in certain things as far as our walk with God has stopped our movement forward. It stopped our marriages from moving forward. It stopped our friendships from moving forward. If you know that's right, say, oh, yeah. All right, so that was free. Here we go. All right, so listen, the Bible describes a spiritually indecisive person like this, okay? And of course, we're not talking about anybody here today, all right? It says in James 1, 6, 8, it says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And it says in verse 7, For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Here's the part that I want us to see, because this really describes an indecisive person. That they are double-minded and they are unstable in all their ways. Just let that linger there for a minute. That they're double-minded and they're unstable in all their ways. Now listen, I know nobody in this room wants to be double-minded. Right? I mean, anybody in their right mind doesn't want to be double-minded. You know, we don't want to be unstable in all of our ways. So let's fix that, right? So anyways, here's a simple point. Is that the only way you and I are ever going to become the man or the woman of God that he's called us to be is we got to make up our minds. we got to decide to consistently, once again, to live daily according to the biblical principles that he's already given us in his word. So simple, right? Y'all guys getting quiet up in here. All right. All right. So, all right. So with that said, let's talk about the first decision, okay? Somebody say ouch. All right. Here we go. Just preparing you. All right, so with, with, with that said, the first decision or first biblical principle we need to make up our mind on is simply this. And this is going to sound really simple, but, but write this down. The buck stops here. The buck stops here. The buck stops here. How many of you guys have ever heard that before? Watch this. Let me give you kind of the background story of that saying. I was kind of researching this. I thought this was really interesting, so I'll just share it to you, okay, or share it with you. So in the late 1800s, the card game poker became pretty popular in America. Uh, it has been said that during the frontier days that players were highly suspicious of other players for cheating. So, in fact, it is believed that gunslingers would get into shootouts because one player would accuse another player of dirty dealing. So watch this. So in order to avoid dirty dealing uh, to avoid dirty, dirty dealing, a practice was adopted. The responsibility for dealing the cards would be rotated around the table after each hand was played. You get that? I would deal, then the next, the next time, guy's time to deal, then the next person's time, then the next person. We'd work our way around the table. So um, basically it would rotate around the table. And, but to keep uh, with whose turn it was to deal, a marker or a counter was designated to show whose turn it was to deal. In many cases, this marker or this counter uh, was nothing more than a knife. And because many knives at that time, the, the handle was made of an antler from a deer or from a buck's horn. What we know now is buck knives. Many guys in the room probably have those. But as a buck knife, that was basically determined as the marker or the counter. And it was simply called the buck. So when the dealer's turn was done, or simply if a player did not wish to deal, he could pass the buck or pass the responsibility to the next player. Are you with me? So soon after this term, passing the buck came to mean this. It meant to transfer responsibility or blame from oneself onto another. To transfer responsibility or blame from oneself onto another. Or you can say it like this. To deny responsibility for a circumstance or action. If you're with me, say, oh yeah. 
So listen, this phrase later became popular uh, by the U.S. President Harry Truman. Okay? Harry Truman, basically, when he uh, became the president of the United States, he promised the American people that he would uh, not let the that he would not pass the buck. Let's say it that way. He wouldn't pass the buck to anyone else, but he would accept personal responsibility of how our nation was governed. And uh, you, you know, even to kind of give you a you know, remember, he's the one that dropped that the atomic bomb. Right. So so here's the guy that at the end of the day, making a decision like that, says, you know, what? I will be the, the type of president, type of the leader that says, you know, what? I will not pass the buck. And so anyways, he was going to take personal responsibility. Now, if you go look at a, a, a picture uh, of Truman, just type in his name, type in an image and, you know, show pictures and you'll find that the way that he actually reminded himself of his commitment to the American people is he had a sign that he put on his desk that simply said the buck stops here. Pretty cool, huh? So meaning this, that responsibility is not passed beyond this point. Pretty simple. Now, over time, the buck stop here came to be a statement that simply meant this. It simply meant no excuses will be made. That the person is going to take direct responsibility for the issues at hand rather than passing responsibility off to another person. Now, watch this. This statement might have originated in a in an 1800s poker game. It might have become popular uh, because of Harry Truman. But the choice to blame another one, uh, to blame another for one's own actions, was nothing new. In fact, we have biblical proof that's been happening since the fall. If you got your Bible, look at Genesis chapter three. I'm actually going to read out the New Living Translation. We're going to read verse, just simple verses, 11 through 13. This is after uh, Adam and Eve obviously disobeyed God. They partook of the fruit, and then uh, God walks in the garden and He begins to ask him this. This is verse 11. It says, "Who told you that you were naked?" The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Watch this. The man replied, it was who? Come on, say it like you mean it. The woman. Now watch this. It was the woman. What's the next three words? It was the woman you gave me. So here he is. He gets he gets uh, confronted, and immediately what he does, he doesn't just blame Eve. He blames uh, God for giving him Eve. So watch this. It says who gave? So it says the woman you gave me, who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And then it says in verse thirteen, then the Lord God asked the woman, "What have you done?" What does she say? The serpent deceived me, she replied. He's why. That's why I ate. Listen, I I personally think it's really interesting. Please please get this. That once sin entered into the garden and sin entered into the world, Adam and Eve didn't, uh, you know, blaspheme God's name. They didn't murder anyone. They didn't steal anything. Adam didn't uh, run out and cheat on Eve. They didn't commit what we would call, quote, unquote, sin. They simply refuse to own their own actions. In doing so, they blame, they pass responsibility, they pass the buck off onto someone else. Which ultimately tells us this. Y'all hang tight with me here. That, that literally that blaming someone else for our situation and our actions is a byproduct of the fall of man. Let's make it more clear that it that it is a piece of a sinful nature. Let's even go further than that. That when we blame someone else, it is sin. Here's why. Because it's a denial of the truth. And if it's not a truth, it's a a lie. Last time I checked, that's in there. Do not lie. Right? Let let me me maybe even say this to you. Because here's a verse that challenges me in that area. 
where, where, the, where the Lord literally said that I desire truth in the inward parts. So it's not all the time of what I run around and tell everybody, but it could be on the inside. Am I pointing the finger at everybody else and I refuse to view that there's four pointing back at me? Amen. Amen. So watch this. Once Adam and Eve did this, it started a trend. Y'all, y'all check this out. And there's many more, but this is just a few. But in Genesis 16, after Sarai, that's, we know her as Sarah, but as Sarai told her husband Abraham, what would he say? He said, hey, you need to sleep with Hagar. Don't name your daughter Hagar, by the way. All right. So anyways, so so if your mom's named that, I apologize. But anyway, so 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 he said, look, l- listen, God spoke child of promises coming. I'm too old here. Take my handmaiden and, and sleep with her. And maybe the child of promise come. We know that was wrong. Correct. So what happens is, is Adam does. I mean, Abraham does or Abram does what she says. She conceives. And then what does Sarai do? She blamed him for it. It's your fault. I'm thinking, who conjured up the idea? Woman, right? Anyways, so in Genesis 27, after Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of lentil soup, he literally said, I'm about to starve to death. I'm about to die. I got to eat. What is that birthright to me? So he sells it for a bowl of soup, right? And then what do you do afterwards? He blamed Jacob. In Exodus 32, after Aaron made the golden calf, right? Moses is up having a counter with God. He comes down, we've all seen, you know, Charleston, Charles Helston, whatever his name is, right, grabs him and he breaks him, throws him down, right? And then what he does, he goes, what did you do, Aaron? And Aaron said this, you were up there. We didn't know if you were coming. And the people, what did he do? He blamed Moses and he blamed the people. If you look at First Samuel uh, chapter 15, this is after King Saul refused to kill all the Malachites, right? Kill all the Malachites. God said, look, kill them all, kill all the animals, wipe them out. And what happens is, is, is he didn't. And, and here comes the prophet Samuel comes rolling in and he says, basically, well, why am I hearing sheep in my ear? Why am I hearing animals in my ear? And, and he says, the people, I feared them. He blamed the people for his disobedience. Are you with me today? So the crazy part is the human race is still trending in this same direction. Watch this. If we turn on the TV right now, what's happening? The Democratic Party is blaming the Republican Party. The Republican Party is blaming the Democratic Party for what? For our issues as a nation, right? If we watch the news, all we have to do is look at, uh, you know, watch the news or look at a random person's message board on Facebook. And when you have one ethnic group blaming another ethnic group and the ethnic group blaming the other ethnic group. Are you with me today? So listen, if we walk into a random house, we can see a husband blaming his wife or a wife blaming her husband for their marital issues. If we decided, you know what, we're going to walk into the house, maybe it's a Tuesday, we're going to see a kid blaming his parents and the kids or the parents blaming the kid. If we decided to walk maybe, you know, I don't know, in the high school right here, decided to walk down the halls, what are we going to hear? We're going to hear kids blaming the teachers and the teachers blaming the kids. As a youth pastor, I walked down way too many halls and I heard it way too much. Are you hearing me today? Listen, it just isn't uncommon for us to hear people blaming the economy, blaming our president, blaming their boss, blaming uh, a fellow employee, blaming their ex-husband, right, or blaming their ex-wife, or maybe they're blaming a family member, an old friend. Uh, they blame their background. If I wouldn't have been raised there, if I'd have been whatever, blah, 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 blah. It's people just blame uh, things on other past events of their life. Are you with me? So, listen, we live in a culture that is constantly blaming others for their problems, for their circumstances, for their issues, for their sin, for their current position in life. Am I getting too honest with you today? Listen, that is always, always 
always because of somebody else. It's never their fault. Never their fault. All they're doing is simply uh, repeating what Eve said in the garden. That's, That's the reason I ate. In short, basically, people are willing to blame everyone but who? Themselves. They are unwilling to take personal responsibility, so they habitually pass the buck. I got this crazy belief that God wants us to be different than the culture that surrounds us. Okay, and, and I believe God wants us to adopt the mentality that in spite of what we see and hear all around us, that he wants us to decide that the buck stops here. Amen. In other words, that we quit pointing the fingers at other people and we own it. In fact, I, I was talking to one of our family members the other day, and I thought this was so, it just showed maturity in his life. But he, he said this to me. He said that, you know, wherever he went, he said he always had drama and issues. He always had problems everywhere he went. And, and literally, I'm talking about moving from different states, and it was just like different environments. He said, I was constantly having problems. And he goes, finally, one day I had to stop and go, you know what? There's a common denominator here, and it's me. It's so funny. We, we have another family member that refuses to own anything, and nothing's changing for them. The other person that I just talked about, they'd said, you know what? Maybe I need to own something here. And things begin to change for them because they begin to take personal responsibility. Are you with me? You know, me, me personally, I just don't enjoy drama. Right? It's never fun. It's draining. Right? So, anyways, I just believe God wants us to be different. Let me say this. Maybe what, when you decide the buck stop, stops here, it requires these things. Okay? It requires us to quit making excuses for our current situation. So, and we'll talk about this more in a minute. But it's almost this. I've been really hesitant if I want to say this or not. But there comes a time where I have to go, okay, where I'm at emotionally, where I'm at physically, and I don't mean necessarily health-wise, yes, but what I mean is geographically, the situation I'm in, the job I'm in, all those things. Spiritually, I have to quit making excuses why I'm not something different in those areas. Are you all following me today? Listen, we all have to go through this, okay? So I'm not pointing the finger or throwing rocks at anybody. We all go through this, Okay. But there's just that certain part that I have to own it. Maybe, maybe even let me get so simple as this. Somebody says, I hate my job. I don't like my boss. Nobody made you work there. You made that choice to go work there. Are, are you with me? So, once again, you can point at everybody, but your current situation is based off your decision. Amen? So watch this. I don't like who I'm married to. Last time I checked... You chose to marry them. We don't live in a culture where, listen, your daddy didn't sell, you know, 25 camels and 37 goats and say, hey, there's the dowry. Go marry that fella. Right? Somewhere along the line, you fell in love with that person and you married them. Okay? Are you with me? So, you know, is that old song? I think it's cool in the gang. I think. All right? I think. A little bit for my time. But it takes uh, two to make everything go right. Right? And it takes two to mess it up as well, right? Are y'all with me? Yes? All right, whatever. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. All right, here we go. Listen, if we're going to have this mentality, the buck stops here, we've got to quit making excuses for our thoughts, too. Here's what I mean, and I'm going to even pick on my own self here, is we have a decision if we're going to continue to think insecure thoughts or not. Nobody can make us insecure. 
Is that accurate? Here's why I say that is because this thing right here tells me different. And I have a choice to believe what they say or what he says. So nobody can make me insecure because I already know the real truth. And so I have a choice to believe it or not to believe it. Amen. So, all right, so I quit making excuses for the words we say. It's almost like this. It's, and I've said this before. But if you wouldn't have did that, I wouldn't have said that. Nobody, nobody made you say anything. Right? There's a choice. In other words, you can, you can eat. In fact, let me say this. The Bible says this. A gentle answer turns away wrath. I have a choice at that moment. Do I give gentle or do I give anger? You all follow me. And it's not their fault. The choice lies here. There, there's a thing. I tell my, my kids this, and I, they don't have a clue what I'm talking about. And I may not even have a clue half the time. But I say this, son, you're the captain of your own soul. In other words, you're responsible. It's your choice, right? Lead yourself, right? So it's this. It's, it's even the fact of quit making excuses for the tone behind our words. I'm awful at that. You know, that's probably one of the, one of the worst things I do with my wife is, is my tone with my wife, that I need to dial that in. And, and what's, what happens is, is for a lot of us, is we've been doing it so long we don't even know different. But there's a root there somewhere, and, and somehow I'm saying that, you know, I'm justified in doing that to you. And it's wrong. It's sin. Amen? So listen, once again, quit making excuses for our actions, quit making excuses for our emotions, or even our bad attitudes. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you. <laughs> All right, watch this. Y'all laughing because you know there's some truth there. All right, anyway, so it's basically this. Watch this, church. God wants us to be mature enough in him that we'll own those things. And we'll own it. That's where the goal, that we would grow to a point we can be mature enough to go, that's on me. Amen? Yeah. So, listen, as I was preparing this message, it's kind of funny how it works sometimes. You know, I'm... Praying, trying to study. I, I, you know, I'm praying and I heard this. I heard this. But pastor, you don't know what they did to me. I, you know, I have to admit in, in a message like this, there, there's 800 what ifs. There, there, there is. OK, but if we can kind of move out the what ifs and just get down to where the rubber meets the road. All right. But it's this pastor. You don't you don't know what they did to me. I, I want you to know today you're absolutely right. I don't know what someone did or what someone didn't do. I don't know the negative effects and the negative calls that that brought on your life. And I, and I don't make light of any of that, okay? There's tons of compassion and mercy for all that. But the truth is, is when you remove all that out of the way, is there's not a person in this room that hasn't been handed a raw deal at one point or another. Right? You know, every one of us in this room, we have a story. And everybody in this room said, you know what, that stunk. But there was literally this crossroad moment to go, am I going to let that to define me? Or am I going to let God define me and move on? Amen. See, because here's what is so important. This is what my hope is for everybody, is that whatever we're in the middle of, that we'd have the courage to ask God to help us to stop blaming everybody else. Okay? And that we'd stop blaming only people, but circumstances and And uh, for basically where we're currently at today, and if I can just say this in a real kind way, know my heart, but because as long as we continue to dwell on the problems and the issues of our past, we will never be able to move forward to what God has for us in the future. It's it's, I'm telling you, there's more believers um, than, than we probably would ever guess that are on the hamster wheel of life. 
There's activity, but they're not going anywhere. And the reason is because they can't get over what was in the past. And let me, let me maybe clarify this. There's many believers that are really good at pointing the finger at everybody else. They need to get over their past, but they themselves aren't. So this is a message kind of today. You know, I, you know, like I tell you guys all the time, I was just the first person to have to deal with it in the room. Right? In other words, I don't get up here and just, you know, this has been working for years in me. Years. Years. And so I'm asking you today to quit looking at the person to your right and your left and go, okay, here. That's what I need to do right now. I don't need to be me. Me. Okay? So here's kind of the, the deal, okay? If until we, until we quit blaming everyone else, let me say it this way. Because we've blamed everyone else, we're at where we're at today, right? And our tomorrows will never look any different than today until we quit blaming all those people. Because so, here's why. If, if, you don't, if you don't realize it, let, let's, say, let's say Ben, you, you know, you sit here, I work with you all the time. But listen, if he did me wrong, and I keep, he did me wrong, he did me wrong, he did me wrong. What I am actually doing is I am surrendering my power or my, the ability to, uh, the power really to make my own decisions for my own life. I've surrendered to him. That literally every day he is determining how I live. Are you all following me? Not till I quit blaming him and I own what I did in that area can I really say, okay, now I can move forward. Because that's the only way to take back control to begin to make different decisions to get me in a different spot tomorrow. Y'all follow me? Everybody look up here. Had a flashback youth ministry right there. That was good. Here's why, because, and I'll say this to move on, but what happens is we continue to filter every decision through our past. And so, in essence, they're controlling our life instead of filtering uh, basically our future decisions through God's principles. Okay? In, in essence, we're saying this, that I'm going to choose not to let my history control my destiny. I'm not going to let my history control my destiny. Because here's the side. It's easy to hear a message like this and think negative, but it's really not negative. It's the fact that going, you know what, I have the, watch this. If I have the ability to make a wrong decision to get me in a wrong spot, that also means God's given me the, the ability to make the right choice to get to the right spot. Right? So really, it's, it's a message of hope to say, man, that life could be different. You don't have to keep living where you're at. Amen? So, anyways, so watch this. Once again, I kind of said it there, but, but uh, the part of choosing to live daily with a buck stops here mentality means this, that we accept responsibility for the part we played in our past. That simply allows us to repent and get healed. Amen. And then it also, with that mentality, it helps me to accept responsibility for my future. And that's the part that brings hope. Watch this. Everybody, let me say it this way. That today could be a day that I go, you know what, I'm going to think and I'm going to live differently. Because... And five years from now, I want to be in a much different spot than where I'm at today. And I realize that literally the decisions that I make tomorrow will help me to get there. And the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, just as much as the decisions I made yesterday, 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 that got me where I'm at today. Now I need to change my thinking and go, you know, I'm going to do it God's way, and I'm going to get to where God wants me to be. Amen. It's, once again, it's not, it's not denying the crap that happened back here. That hurt, you bled, you cried. But we've got to move on. Right? There's no life there. There's only life that way with God. Amen? Amen? 
So there's a quote that I like that simply says this, that life is 10% of what happens to you. The other 90% is what you do with life. Life is 10% of what happens to you. The the other 90% is what you do with life. All right. Let's transition. Let's have fun. Are you all okay? I know I'm going, I think I'm going a little long. I don't know. I haven't been paying attention. But anyways, here we go. So listen, at the same time, um, did you just look at your watch? Your flight doesn't leave like 440. I got some time. We're good. All right. So <laughs> it's 1117. All right. It's 1117. Everybody, it's 1117. Here we go. In case you're wondering. All right. So watch this. At the same time, I want all of us to see that this buck stops here mentality goes way beyond just being responsible for our sins, responsible for our shortcomings, our weaknesses, our flaws, our blind spots, our failures, and even our pain. Watch this. If you haven't heard anything today, wake up for this, all right? Because I believe that this mentality requires us to understand that we are also responsible for everything that God has already given us. That we're responsible for what God has already given us. In other words, and if you ever heard Pastor Brian preach, he's kind of the, the, the guy that introduced this word to my life. And it made me start looking at things different. But, but it's this, that we're called to steward what God has already entrusted to us. We're called to steward it. And so let me maybe explain this to you, okay? Part of this buck stops here mentality is, once again, it's only responsibility or stewarding. We'll give it the first one. The, the measure of faith that we have already been given. We're called to steward the amount of faith that God has already deposited in our hearts. In other words, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, I, I don't know, let's just, there, there's, there's certain scriptures, whatever, God's brought revelation to you on. And it's this, that once that revelation comes, there's a responsibility now to live according to that scripture. Are y'all following me? Okay. So, so, so there's that part, what God has already deposited in me, am I stewarding that, Right. The next thing is to go, okay, the God-given revelation kind of ties in with the other thing. Uh, the, the revelation that he's already given me, that I've already received, am I stewarding that well? The, the, the identity that God's word speaks over me, am I stewarding that well? Are you all following me today? Watch this, that, that literally the grace on my life, the favor on my life, the anointing of God on my life, am I stewarding that well? That literally the gifts and the talents God's given me, am I stewarding that well? And part of, part of the stewarding the gifts and the talent that God's given us to us is, is, A, yes, are we using it for his glory? But it's also the other side to go, am I developing it? You'll follow me. In other words, am I, am I, am I, and also not only developing, but am I letting God also deploy those gifts and use them for his kingdom? Amen. So then at the same time, I go, okay, am I, am I stewarding God's blessing, God's provision on my life? So I'm, I'm just going to, probably shouldn't say this, but here we go. If I don't tithe, and if I don't give offerings according to the word, then I'm not stewarding the money God's given me. And what happens is, because I'm not stewarding that, what happens is, is I'm cutting off the blessing from my life. It's in the Bible. And what, watch this. Let, let, me, let me throw this out there, okay? Everybody says, well, that's under the law. That tithing is under the law. It came 300 years before the law. So it's not under the law. It's covenant. We, that came with Abraham. And then you can also see it with Jacob, where Jacob gave a tenth. It's the, the same thing is, is now I am, what, the seed of Abraham. Isn't that what the Bible tells us in Romans? So, so to understand that part of being that seed is, is, is nothing different than here's Jen's dad, that, that Jen's going to follow kind of what she was taught. It's the order that we go in, right? It's the order. It's just part of being a believer. So it's not a thing of, of grace and, and law and all that. No, it's just bottom line. It's gospel. Amen? 
All right, here we go. Y'all got quiet there. <laughs> it's all right. Watch this. So once again, we're called to steward our spiritual growth and our development. And watch this. This is really important. Let's get practical. We're also ladies that are married. We're called to steward our husbands. Men that are married, we're called to steward our wives. For us that have been, been gifted and blessed by God, gift is not the right word, but blessed by God to have children, we're called to steward them. Yes, that's our responsibility to steward those children. Amen? If we have friendships that are from God, we're called to steward those. And and here's the real thing I want to get to is we're not called just to steward them, but we're called to steward them well. So it's not just, okay, for a kid, am I, okay, there's you some food. There's you a roof over your house. There's you some new shoes. No, no, no. Am I stewarding them well in the admonition of the Lord? Say, God, dude, this is how we live. Come on, do life with me and do life with you. Have a relationship with your kids. Listen, as a youth pastor, um, you know, I, I remember reading a statistic that said that a, that a kid basically gets four minutes of conversation with their parents a day. So I want you to so li- listen. Part of our problem as a nation in that area is this is because MTV spend a whole lot more time with them than their parents are. So you have all that you, you have social media raising children, not parents. Amen? Because you're not going to do it in four minutes. Amen? So, so that's the part of where I steward my children, doesn't matter how old they are, to go, you know what, man, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to spend time with you and, and help you learn to live life. In other words, as a father, nobody should be teaching your son how to be a man more than you. As a mom, nobody should be teaching your daughter how to be a woman more than you. Amen? Because you definitely don't want social media teaching it to them. Amen. All right, here we go. We're about to close. Y'all ready? Good answer. All right, here we go. Keep preaching, preacher. Wake up. All right, here we go. Sorry, I'm having fun today. All right, so let me let me tell you this. Okay, here's why I tell you all this, and maybe for especially you that that uh, really want to do something for God. Listen to this. Okay. Um, A few weeks ago, I got a text from one of my buddies that's in the army, and and he was told, "Hey, dude, you're going to get a promotion." Now he works in the world. Pretty high intensity, a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility. And, and he said, hey, you're, you're gonna, we're going to put you in this other position. You're going to get a promotion, but it's going to happen on Monday. He showed up to work, and they said, hey, we know we told you Monday, but it starts today. So no time to prepare. So, he just, so that night he, he sent, me, uh, sent me a text, hey, Q, hey, can, can you pray for me? So I said, sure, please listen to this, okay? This mess with me. So I said, absolutely, man, I'll pray for you. And, and as I began to pray for him, I began to ask this. It's a simple prayer. I said, God, I ask you to bring an increase in favor, an increase in wisdom, an increase in the anointing. And when I got there, the Lord interrupted me. Has anybody, the Lord ever interrupted you? He literally interrupted me, and I heard him talk over me. And here's what he said. He said, it can't be increased until you walk in the amount that's already been given to you. It can't be increased until you walk in the amount that's already been given to you. And I'll, I'll admit to you today, it really caught me off guard. It's a really simple thing, but I never thought of it like that before. And, um, it, you know, the best way I can describe it is it's almost like asking God to fill your cup when you haven't used what's in the cup. Right? It's like trying to uh, build a second floor before the first floor is built. It, it's, it's maybe, maybe describe it this way. It's, it's like I was praying for level five for my friend, Right? But the problem was, is he hadn't used what he got at level one yet. 
But but the way the kingdom works is is you know only get to level two because I've stood on level one. I only get to level three because of what I learned from level two. I only get to level four because of what I learned from level three, five, four. Are y'all following me? That that's the way it works. And so so I, I changed my prayer and I prayed this and kind of what I'll pray over you today is 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 this fact is that I said so Father. I text him all this, by the way. I said, this is my text to him. I said, so, Father, I'm asking that you would help us, because I realized it was for me, too, that you would help us to walk in the fullness of the measure of favor, wisdom, anointing, discernment, knowledge, etc. Watch this, that you have currently entrusted to us. God, help me walk in the fullness of it, not half of it, all of it, so that when the time comes, we will already be positioned for increase in all of those areas in Jesus' name. Maybe hand him if that makes sense to you. All right. So let, let, let me let me here. I'll pick on my own self here. OK. I've told you guys that this last year has been the greatest transition of our lives. Right. Going from youth pastoring to pastoring a church, different culture, different, you know, whatever, all different. Right. Um, So I think two two weeks ago, I think two weeks ago was a year that we've been here, okay? So that we, you know, we we, we made a year, hallelujah, right? So, um, but but if I'm honest with you, it took me nine months to wake up. It took me nine months to realize that I was sitting there praying for a level five, but I wasn't walking in the identity of a level one. And, and maybe the best way to describe it is this: is that my identity hadn't called up with my assignment. Okay, that my identity hadn't called up with my assignment. In other words, the way I viewed myself didn't fit the assignment that I was in. And so what happened was, is, is you know, thank God for prophetic people, right? Got a few prophetic words spoken over me that I, that I knew 100% was God because I was already wrestling with it. And, uh, but, but at that point, I had a decision to make. And to go, the buck stops here. God has already given me everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's given me everything I need to, I need to pastor a church. It's up to me if I'm going to reach out and grab it, if I'm going to, or if I'm going to be indecisive and vacillate. I'm that. I'm not that. I'm that. I'm not that. To just go, yep, God's made me that. He's called me to do that. He's anointed me to do that. I just need to step in and start operating in the authority that he's put on my life. Does that make sense? Because, because here's what happens with so many of us. Is is I'm, I'm give you twofold, okay? We do what I just did to go. Well, God's called me to do that, but everything, identity, all those things, we keep, keep making excuses, and those excuses keep us from operating there, or because we're unwilling to admit the the, the baggage that we carry, and we keep blaming everybody else. As long as we're blaming everybody else, we won't ever get there. We'll keep dreaming and dreaming and dreaming, and we'll know. Listen, God put it there. He, he did speak to you when you were 18 years old and you were in that prayer closet. He said, here's what I've called you to do. But because of your unwillingness to go, right, to quit blaming everybody else and go, yep, it's on me. I own it, God, but also on my future. You don't ever get there. Amen? All right. Stand your feet. I've preached way too long. Let me end with something here, okay? All right, so, all right, watch this. Earlier we talked about King Saul, right? That King Saul, that King Saul, here was, he disobeyed God. The prophet rolls in. 
the prophet says, what's going on? And what he, he said, the people, right? The Bible says there, now hear this with grace, we're, under, we're in a new covenant, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here we go. But, but at that moment, because he refused to own his stuff, because King Saul did, what happened? He was disqualified as king. True? True. In other words, he disqualified himself from the calling uh, that was on his life. We'll say it that way, okay? There's a lot of different ways you can put that. So fast forward over here to Second Samuel. Make sure I get the reference right. Second Samuel chapter 12. Here's David, okay? Right, the guy that replaced him. Here's David. He's, he has uh, stood on his roof and watched a naked lady bathe, right? And, he, and lust came into his heart, and he took her, slept with her, got her pregnant, and her husband was at war. We know the story, right? So what she do? She, what does he do? He comes up with a plan, right, with the guy that leads his army, put him in the front line. And not only did they put him in the front line, listen, you army guys, you military people, you, you know how awful this is. They sent him forward, and they retreated everybody else. And they left him hanging, right? That, that goes against leave no man behind, right? So here he is. He, he dies. So... David thinks, whoo, you know, handled that problem, right? 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 But unfortunately, watch this. Same way a prophet showed up to uh, Saul, Nathan the prophet shows up to David. And he begins to tell him a story. Hey, there's this guy that's, that had this little sheep, and he raised a sheep as his own daughter and loved it. Da, da, you know. And then a king came because he had a visitor, and he didn't want to kill any of his stuff. He came, and he took that one. David got fired up and said, that guy needs to be basically, needs a hammer dropped on him, right? What happens then is Nathan goes, you are that man. Now, King David could have said, Nathan, I came from a dysfunctional family. Blamed him. He could have said, you know, and once again, theologians kind of go back and forth on this. But he could have said, Nathan, do you not know that my parents uh, weren't married? I was an illegitimate child born out of, born out of wedlock. And, and basically, it's just generational curses on my life. He could have passed the buck. Are you all following me? But what did he do? He said, he said, basically, forgive me, God, for you. He said, I have sinned against you and you alone. And he owned it. He didn't pass the buck. He took the responsibility. Now, here's the point that I bring that up to you. is because God, not man, God said, that guy's a man after my own heart. So listen, if we want to be a people that's after God's own heart, we got to be people that say, you know what? I'll own it. The buck stops here. Uh, and, and God, I'll, I'll, I'll accept the, the consequences. Amen? And listen, David had consequences, right? It got ugly after that, but but you know, but God never disqualified him from the position he was in. Even when his son tried to take it, there was still a covenant made there with God because he repented. Amen. You're with me today. Let's bow our head and close our eyes, please. You guys are awesome. Listen, I just want to maybe first just to say this, just simple. Uh, by lifting her hands, once again, I'm not trying to beat nobody up. I'm really trying to encourage you and give you hope, and let's move forward. But if you know, man, I've been passing the buck, and I've been blaming everybody else instead of myself. But, man, I want to make a change today. Lift both hands, please. Amen. Amen. Good deal. I'm going to pray for you. Just keep your hands up. Father, I thank you for, God, just the courage to be honest. 
in this moment to say, you know what, I've been, I've been pointing at everybody else, and I'm not, and I'm not manning up, I'm not womaning up, and taking it myself. But today, God, uh, I choose to just say, you know what, the buck stops here. So, Father, whatever in that moment, God, that I need to own of responsibility, maybe I need to repent of something, maybe I just need healing from something, Father, I thank you right now just by us uh, making the choice to own it, Father, that, that you can come and you can do the rest. Thanks for cleaning our hearts today. Thank you for healing our hearts today. And, Father, thank you for just helping us understand, God, we're the, we're the captain of our own soul, God. God, that the choices we make today will help us become who we're called to be in you in our tomorrows. And so, Father, thank you for just, uh, I'll just say this, Holy Spirit, thank you for just showing, God, every person in this room, hands up, hands not up. God, showing us in this room, point it out, God, when we blame someone else. Point it out when we point the finger to someone else. And, God, let us see our responsibility and our part and our peace in that story. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, yeah, absolutely, today's your day. It's a great day because here's the thing. It's um, he loves you. I just said he loves you. And he did uh, what you couldn't do on the cross through his son Jesus and through the resurrection to provide forgiveness and provide a, a, just a way just to have a relationship with him and a way to heaven. If you've never done that or maybe you have uh, turned your back and, and maybe you did it one time and you, but you ran the other way. And, uh, but, you know, man, I, I really need to get right with God. Once again, today's your day. If that's you, just lift both hands really, really high, please. If you know you need to get right with Jesus, amen. 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 All right, so family, if y'all can, just help me with this. Say, Father God, I come before you now. God, with an open heart to admit, to confess that I've been running my own way. But I want to run to you today. Father, I thank you that as I run to you, God, that I run to open arms. So, Father, today in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to give me a new life and a new start. I believe today that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he was risen from the dead on the third day, that he is alive and he is seated at the right side of your throne. So today I receive that sacrifice. I receive that blood as payment for my sins. Thank you for coming and living inside of me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's put our hands together and just thank the Lord. Awesome. Hey, just a few notes before we all roll out. Remember the classes that are coming. Pretty excited. I'm actually stepping back into the role of a youth pastor. 
get to hang out with some young people. So I'm about to come to the youth pastor and the pastor. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Flashback. All right, anyway, so we're, we're going to do youth ministry. Remember, September the 21st. Remember, we have stuff going on for the children also on that night. And we have our discipleship or equip classes happening on, on I said December, then I, September the 21st. Okay, so please kind of deposit that. You'll be hearing more about that in the next few weeks. Also, one announcement that we didn't make today, September the 18th, Viv Penfold is coming. You know, I know how much a lot of you guys like Viv. So Viv's coming September the 18th. Really looking forward to that. Invite some friends and uh, come hang out with us. Anyways, God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today.